You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Today, our hostess is changed a little bit. We have Becky joining me today. Um, Susan is out sick today and coughing too much and says that she doesn't want to be in here just hacking and coughing all over the right, all over the mics and something that nobody wants to hear anyway. So, so Becky will be joining me today. Hopefully she'll be giving some comic relief to us. Yep. Right here. All comic. Yeah, that's right. Just look at my face and you'll laugh. (laughs) All right, so um, today we have a guest from the other side of the country. Um, Hopefully his weather is nice because it looks like you might be sitting outside. We have him on Zoom with us today. And our guest today is Sergeant Chris Hallstad, who works for Yale University Police Department. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) How's your weather back there? It's actually perfect today, believe it or not. Um, the weather changes a lot in Connecticut, but it's yeah. good today. So, so like 80 degrees, sunny. Ugh. Sunny and 80. <clears throat> well, what are we going to be like, 111 today? Or? I got six raindrops on my windshield <laughs> on the way in today. So That's a novelty here. That is probably all yeah, we're I'm getting. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, add that to the other six I got. A couple months ago, and we've had about a dozen raindrops here yeah. in Frick and Phoenix. Yeah, it's been nice and warm here. It's been a really hot July, which, you know, is typical, I guess, but it just seems like it's, we've had a long stretch of period, like around 110, mm-hmm. and it's, oh, I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. But, like, we don't have the humidity like yeah. you guys do, so that's a blessing. If you call that a blessing. Well, you know, you always hear people yeah. say... People I, out here say it's a dry heat. Yeah. It's still hot. hot yeah. as, <laughs> it's like yeah. from the movie Aliens. Yeah, yeah exactly. When they're like, it's hot as hell in here. And they go, yeah, but it's dry heat. You yeah, know, like but, now. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's for sure. It's like opening your oven versus opening your dishwasher. True. One's humid and the other one's not, but both are quite unpleasant. See, and I, I described riding a motor in the summertime here as huh. being inside a convection oven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh, anyway. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the desert. No, but that's where we live, and it's yeah. good enough. So, so Chris, um, my wife first came across an article about you online, and that's how what brought your attention to us. And I was very intrigued when I read that you donated a kidney, and it wasn't to another officer. It uh, wasn't to a family member. It was basically to a stranger. How did that all transpire? Yes. Um, so my wife, uh, I was actually, I think, walking with the kids, and she was inside or whatever. And uh, I got a text from her because that's how, like, why why uh, spouses communicate now, I guess, through, like, phone. <laughs> right. And uh, and she sent, me a, she sent me, like, a text or Facebook post snap or whatever from uh, – 
online uh, social media campaign for an individual that needed a kidney. Um, and she said something effective, uh, this speaks to me, or I think this is interesting or whatever. And I right away was like, oh yeah, like that's kind of interesting. You know, what, where does that go about? Like donating a kidney. Um, and I kind of, it, for some reason in my head, it just immediately was like, oh, I, I got to do this. And, wow. uh, um, which may or may not be crazy, but so I, uh, <laughs> uh just, just a little. Up. Yeah. So I, I looked it up and, but, you know, statistics on <clears throat> donations and, and issues that happen after and, and what have you. And, and, uh, it, it looked honestly really feasible. Um, and, uh, so I reached out to the individual who needed a kidney through the contact information and they referred me to like a foundation organization that kind of takes care of it. Okay. Um, called renewal. Um, so I reached out to renewal. They send me a kit, um, where I do a swab in my cheek and everything. Uh, you do four swabs. So I did that. Uh, I made the mistake of drinking espresso, like not too long before I swabbed my <laughs> mouth. So it came out dirty and like brown and I'm like, well, oh, it's too late now. So they're, so I sent them in like that and they're probably like, Whoa, like where did he so, <laughs> what has this guy been eating? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, so I sent them, yeah, it's stupid, but so I, I sent them out and then, uh, within a couple of days of doing that, I heard that, uh, this guy got his kidney, uh, that he needed. So I'm like, okay. And then renewal. Cause I'm O positive. Uh, it's universal blood type, right. my chance for having a match higher. Right. They asked if I want to remain an open donor. And I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, uh, so I ended up getting a match like a week later. And so they it didn't, didn't ask take you, very long. They didn't ask you to redo the swabs. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. No. So yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's, and that was it. And then, so I was a match to this guy and then you go through a lot of work, uh, a lot of blood tests, body scans, a lot of CAT scans. Um, they kind of like have to, you know, make sure that you're healthy enough to do it. And, uh, and then found out I, and I was thinking the whole time, there's no way I'm going to be healthy enough to do it. And, uh, I was, and so it worked and I just donated my kidney. Wow. Um, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that's and I, I, I kind of found out later who the guy was or, or the individual was, um, but I, I haven't met him. I mean, to me, I, maybe I will eventually. Yeah. Um, to me, it was more about just like the act than, you know, right. so I know that he, it worked. I know that it, it took and he's healthy. Um, well, that's, yeah, that's so, a plus. But it, it was, a, yeah. I, I'm still pretty amazed that you get a text from your wife and how quickly that seemed yeah. to transpired that, oh, hey, yeah, this sounds interesting. I, I'll donate a kidney. I happen to have a, an extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it was almost like she knew I'd do it. So she's like, going to take the chance of getting rid of me or like, you know, so, <laughs> it was like, so did she, but did she beef up the insurance right before? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And that's, it's fun, but yeah. And, and we talked about it and uh, obviously it was a discussion, but, and, right. and I thought, you know, like it'd be good for our family to do it. Um, I, I thought it'd be good for me to do. And I, I just thought too, that, uh, I mean, she's a better mother than I am a father, is, is what I said, whether that's true or not, whatever. But uh, <laughs> That's um, debatable I, down the uh, line. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But uh, um, no, but really, like, you know, we have two kids. I was like, you know, I'll take the, the risk, which is ultimately minimal anyways. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's how it went down. 
Well, <laughs> to I get you know, for me, I'm thinking, God, would I donate a kidney to somebody that I don't know? I I just and yeah. the thought never crossed my mind. Now, if it was a family member that needed it, definitely not. Maybe depending Depends on, on who that family, family member was, yes. I guess. Yeah, some family members. That's a hard no. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's got to come down. Um, you're you've got to be like pretty giving and community oriented, anyways, right? I mean, yeah, and I I like to be, um, and I yeah, I, I kind of always have, uh, you know, in the limited time that I have, I try I try to help out with people. Um, but to me, this seemed like it, it was something that uh, if I could, the, the one big thing that I could do for someone, but also right. not only like just one individual, but kind of adding to a pool where, you know, just paying it forward in a, in right. a big way where, again, where, yes, I have to make a sacrifice in pain, you know, were I to get in a car accident per se and I injure my kidney, that's the only one I've got. Right. Um, there's, there's assurances to that too, though where I bump up the list a little bit with my need one. Oh. Um, but yeah, that, that just seemed like a way I felt like I had to do it. Like, you know, hmm. um, so. But you're pretty involved in stuff in your communities, um, different types of events through your police department, right? Yeah. Um, so Yale, even though it's, uh, yeah, the university has its own police department while New Haven has their own as well. Right. Um, the university is pretty mixed in to New Haven. Um, we're spread out, like, which is kind of unique, like throughout the downtown area. So uh, we have um, officers that specifically their, their role is to liaise with the community and uh, work with services, things along those lines. And so um, I'm more of a patrol guy and I, I'm a patrol supervisor. Right. Um, but I always try to you know, jump in with uh, whenever we have specific, you know, turkey drives. I mean, we moved like 1,700 turkeys during Thanksgiving <laughs> um, in, a, in a box truck. Yeah, okay. and stuff like that. So I presume you know, they were already I, I dead. To, I to, to say again? I, I presume they were already dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And frozen. So, so you can toss them and you don't have to worry too much. They were but. after that drive. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's that's still pretty crazy. So what um were you nervous going in for the day of surgery? Um I was. Uh yeah, I definitely I definitely was. Um the you know, because also you're time traveling because you go under and then you wake up and it's all over. Yeah. Um, but uh it it where I had it done, um typically the units that that work with transplants are really uh they're really nice they're really high end they have really good facilities um and the one where i did it at uh, nyu langone their center um it's basically like a penthouse you know you're <laughs> overlooking you know the, the the island like it's it's amazing i'm wow. right on the river and you have a huge tv and um you're this little room that you have as everything so it's it's a nice area and a nice space and then the nurses are great and they take care of you yeah. um i tried to be tough about it and pretend that i didn't need that much medication um <laughs> because it is painful and so and their their job is to make sure you don't feel any pain and i'm right. like no i'm good i'm good you know and i had a thing called a spinal block where they kind of run a uh, 
almost like a uh, epidural. epidural. Right. Um, they go through your side and they, they dead in the area um, from the spine out. So, uh, you know, the pain isn't as bad. And so I had this and then I'm on some more little minor pain medication on top of that during the first day. It lasts like 18 hours. And I'm thinking, oh, this is easy. And the nurses are like, oh, yeah, a lot of times, you know, kidney donors are pain levels up to like a 10. Um, and that's why they manage it. And I'm like, yeah, this is nuts. I don't even feel it that bad. They're like, oh, you're doing good. And then literally like the next day it wore off. And I was like, I was like doing Lamaze breathing, like just hanging in there. And, and I hate uh, and I, I don't like using the call button for nurses because yeah. I feel right. like I'm, you know, I beckon you kind of thing. Right, yeah. So I'm in there like, <laughs> like waiting oh for them to god. come in. And then they're like, oh my god, are you in pain? I'm like, yes, I'm in pain. Oh. Like, please, you know. So, yeah. So once I kind of went through that, I was like, yeah. And then you just take care of it. So there is there is a good amount of pain. But uh, I mean, that's what drugs are for. So well, and then you true. recover crazy, crazy quick. Really? It's it's gone after a couple of days. So holy crap. That, for some odd reason. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of crazy. It doesn't take very long. So like what's the like how long ago was this? Like years or like um no, it was the year. It was um I want to say May third. Like yeah. this this May third? Oh last, last year. Okay. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> I yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what time frame are we looking yeah. at here? <laughs> These are my sisters. Yeah, no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And they, uh, even depending how they do it, you can even not have a lot of scarring. Um, cause they, they, you know, use laparoscopic right. you know, robotics they can. And so, um, you just end up with, I mean, my scar, it was cut out around the belly button. Um, and then they put like a port in and they, all the tools go in and they work around and then they bag the kidney in your body and then kind of like suck it out. That's crazy. Uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then like the two and they leave the twos behind. They're like, you know, uh, and, uh, oh my God. then they just stitch it up. Yeah. So I had like a question mark basically around my belly button because I, I don't really care. But if you, if you're worried about like a bikini line, hat, whatever have you, you know, they do it lower and then just kind of right on the, you know, um, just above the pubic bone, there's like, it'd be like a three centimeter scar where they kind of suck it out. Huh. That's about it. So you can't wear your belly yeah. ring anymore? I'm sorry? So you can't wear your belly <laughs> ring anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no more like. <laughs> no more. No, no more jewelry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no more crop tops yeah, yeah, for yeah. you. <laughs> so how long were you out of work before coming back? Uh, that's, so that's up to the surgeon, how long they want you to, for me, it was eight weeks. Wow. Um, about 7.1 weeks is actually what, yeah, what they wanted me out. And then, so, um, just my circumstance, I'm supervisors in the department, we get short-term disability. So basically I got, uh, I was on hundred percent pay for five weeks and then I dropped to 60%. But the foundation renewal, they recoup the rest. Oh, so good. I ended up not losing out any money or time. Like it's just. Uh, um, yeah, I was wondering yeah. it, how how well the department um, sponsored you, basically, and if you had to use all your own vacation and sick time to do that. Yeah, no, and it's it's it were were I uh, so I'm not under any contract. Um, 
So I'm not in a union. I'm not under contracts. Not uh, just that's how it works because we're technically we're privately funded. So it's federally prohibitive for supervisors and officers to be in the same union, and we don't even have one. So our circumstances would be different per se if I was an officer. Um, I don't know how it would work, hmm. um, but because they don't necessarily get like this this form of uh, uh, short term disability, but I. I would imagine that the department would work with them and, you know, and yeah. we, there's, there's, you can always create a sick time pool and stuff like right. that. So I, I'm sure there'd be another way. So um, what did your supervisor think when you said, Hey, um, I'm going to need some time off. I'm going to donate a kidney. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people were like, were thinking that maybe I was just exploring it and not really going to pull the trigger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so because I called the chief because I, I just went right to the top, basically, and said, hey, uh, I want to do this, but I don't know what it's going to entail. And initially, you know, I'm doing my research. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're after two weeks. And I was like, wow, you can go back to work two weeks later. And then when I went to the surgeon, she was like, you're a cop. I was like, yeah. She's like, do you do you chase people? And I was like, <laughs> well, I, I, I'm kidney shot <laughs> yeah and i said well i'm like the one that wants to chase people and she's like oh yeah you're out for like eight weeks and i'm like oh my god so <laughs> uh but they're like yeah you know and there were you know we have limited number of supervisors so student supervisors had to cover my shift right um you know we have we have typically like a lieutenant and two sergeants that that work on any given shift that rotates. So, I mean, it's, it ended up being something like 10 days that had to be covered that I would have been alone on. So, okay. That's not, kind of yeah, that's not too bad. Um, so how long have you been uh, a police officer? Um, I got out of the army in 2008 and was hired at Yale in 2009. Oh. So then promoted 2014 to Sergeant. Well, congratulations on that. Um, now yeah. we had some, we, I know my wife was looking on, um, information from Yale and, you know, trying to learn some of your background and stuff. And it said that you were an army mm -hmm. vet. Um, now what was your rank? Cause there was some question on that. Oh, oh, uh, in the army. Yes. Um, uh, so I, I got out as a cap. Oh, okay. So oh. you were, so you were a captain. And then um, yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing that you were probably deployed being in the Army. Yes. Yeah, I did two two tours. Um, mm -hmm. My first tour was in Ramadi um, as the – well, I, I was an artillery officer, okay. so which is kind of uh, – which actually didn't want to do that when I first <laughs> went in, but then I ended up liking it. But it's kind of gets a unique kind of role a little bit. You get moved around, so – I was in a light infantry unit, my first tour in Ramadi as uh, basically like a fire support officer where you work at a platoon level as a lieutenant with light infantry. And, uh, and there's a, you have a team that, you know, you talk to aircraft, calling artillery, kind of when you're forward engaging the enemy. Right. So like a little different um, in the Iraq theater because you're kind of in the city. Um, so you're not calling in artillery as a lot per se. Um, so roles can change a little bit. But uh, and then my second tour i was on a for most of it i was in uh Adamia, iraq on a uh military transition team okay. like training uh training iraqi infantry uh unit on uh, uh operational like plant management planning and then execution okay. so for uh like raids clearance ops things like that 
all that fun stuff. So how long were you, what did you spend over there on total deployment time? Um, I did. So my first tour was a year. Uh, wow. My second tour was, I thought was going to be a year. And then we had, uh, basically for our group, there were roughly like 30, 30 soldiers and, and I was one of the senior guys. And so, you know, you get a list and you have these many dates, you get to go home, uh, on R and R and nobody wants to take the first one. You want to stay there for, you know, <laughs> at least half. And then on the tail end, when you're ready for a break, then you go home right. and come back. And so nobody wants the first one. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's my deal. So I'll take the first one, you know? And so I basically was there for probably like three months and uh, just kept getting in like fights and whatever. And I'm like, these people are trying to kill me. Like the last, like the last day there before I left. And I, I left in the morning, like after we got in a, like a firefight and then typed out the report and then was on a little convoy out, like at four in the morning to go uh, start my process to fly back to the States. And then I'm there for a couple of weeks and I get back to Iraq and uh, that's when we got extended. So I ended up doing a full solid year because uh, we got extended a little over like 15 months or, or whatever. So, yeah, I did a so basically I did 15 months, my second tour, long story short. But uh, the, the most of it was just a year of solid. So it was kind of yeah. a, a long year. But. Yeah. With, with no and break in between. That point. You were married then. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got married in between. Yeah. <laughs> so you're married for a short time. Then you have to go spend 15 months in the desert. Yeah. And actually like we kind of eloped because, you know, I had a girlfriend and I'm like, the army doesn't care if I have a girlfriend. If something happens, right. I need to be married. And, you know, so it was kind of crazy. Like I called my, I, you know, I like talked to her dad on the phone was like, you know, I want to marry her. Oh, that's great. And I'm like, well, we got to do it today. He's like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So it costs like $10 in Denver. We sat on a bench, like got married with, you know, rings from like a head shop. And then, uh, when, yeah. And then that was that. And then I was like, Oh, am I in trouble? And then I called the battalion. I was like, yo, uh, was I supposed to have something like you're good? So, um, so, yeah, how, so that was that. So, how long, how long after, uh, your your wedding, your big wedding day, did you head back out on deployment? Um, I don't think it was probably it, it was it had to have been a few weeks. It wasn't very long. Well, so, at least you had a couple um, of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think it was something like that. And uh, she was living here. In, well, I'm here. She was living in Connecticut and I was in a station in Colorado. So she kind of bounced back and forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then you, easy. you, you get out, um, you join the Yale university PD and what have you done there? I know you first start off in patrol. Everybody starts in patrol. Yeah. Have you done any special assignments um, at all or. Yeah. So we had a, uh, um, for a little while we had, uh, basically like a crime suppression unit, which was a four man unit run by a, uh, um, a sergeant. And uh, so I was in that for a few years. Um, a lot of like, you're with a partner and you'd actually do a lot of on mark stuff. Um, you know, in, in New Haven being a sizable city in Connecticut, you now it also has crime obviously, and we're mixed in. 
uh, it's an open campus. So uh, that's, we are partnered essentially with New Haven and doing things like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, we would just uh, basically like look for warrants or try to prevent robberies, right. um, things like that, you know? Um, and uh, that, that, that was kind of the main thing that I w- was doing. And that's kind of what got me, I ended just staying on patrol too. So there's, uh, there are other alternatives. We have guys on task forces, um, things like that. But, uh, I just, I like being on patrol. And, uh, so I've been a supervisor on patrol. Most of my time's been on midnight actually. So I'm sure Yale, um, the PD works pretty similar to how Arizona state university worked with Tempe PD, where I worked at, um, you know, we help them out. They help us out. Um, they, yeah. some of their officers um, that do narcotic stuff work directly with our narcotics officers. It's, it's kind of a blend mm-hmm. of, of everything, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. And it gives it, it helps give officers like an alternative, you know, right. um, if they're active and they want to get into something, you know, they can, you know, New Haven always needs to help. So, you know, we can have, um, uh, officers go over and we have a couple in their task force right now. Same with the joint terrorism task force. We have an officer over there with the uh, FBI because we have a FBI building just on state street, a few blocks away from Yale. So, um, it, yeah, it gives, it gives you the ability to actually move around a little bit, you know? Um, and then we also have community officer jobs, things like that. So, so I, I know Yale probably doesn't want you to talk about this, um, the university. But when I think of Yale, it seems, you know, it's all like high class and, you know, upper scale stuff. Um, but I'm sure even on the university, there's a lot of crime that happens. I, I know with ASU, that's how it was. And I know ASU didn't want that information really being put out. It's, it's okay if it's in Tempe but we don't want it to be associated with the, the university. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is, it is after all the business. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, but that being said, it's, it's also the university is required under, under Cleary, like an under law to basically report right. any incident that occurs sure. in a certain, you know, a neighborhood of the footprint. So, um, even if you didn't want to really say it, you know, it's it, it when you have to, or you'll get fined. Yeah. But also we have, yeah, we have, um, applications and alerts put out by the chief's office whenever there is something that happens. So, uh, we try to keep, you know, the students and they're in the population, like in the know if they want to be. So, right. yeah. Whereas, you know, yeah, we, maybe it's not, you don't want to have to say that say robbery occurred right here. Um, but one it's required and yeah. anyways, but it, it too, it's also, it's yeah for us. I mean, it, it helps keeping everybody aware anyways. I mean, we have safety briefs when the students are incoming, we go to talk to them. Um, I had to talk to I think like 700 students in a the theater once, um, just to let them know about the best ways to keep safe right. and alternatives and, you know, now the security, how to use security and safe walks and, and well, yeah, so it's, it's almost like if you don't talk about crime, it's going to get worse. Exactly. Um, well, especially then, got, of course, it's not going to make them aware. You got those new kids, the new freshmen coming in every year and you know, it's a whole new lifestyle, whole new world for them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah. Yeah. What, and I kind of, 
Yeah. What what I what bugs me is I used to when I was patrolling around Tempe, I'd see these young students with their you know walking down the street with their face buried in their phone, oblivious to everything yeah. that's going on around them. It's mm -hmm. like, man, you're a victim waiting to happen. Yep. <clears throat> and we we had that uh, like apple picking where where they mm -hmm. just grab the iPhone <laughs> out of your hand. Right. So yeah, we definitely and it, it comes in waves. So we had that. Uh, honestly, I haven't even heard of that in a while, but. Um, yeah, we, we had that going pretty good for a bit, I guess, because, you know, initially people aren't aware of the right. crimes was happening and then certainly people become more aware when they're walking around like this. So, um, but I, I talking about that crime suppression unit uh, or uh, community impact unit is what we call it. Uh, we actually even did that. We, we followed a couple kids that, um, you know, we could tell by their demeanor and sure. they were going into a theater that they were looking cause they kept looking at people. Mm -hmm. for you know that were probably like this or maybe a purse <laughs> to grab and so we just stood there and because we're and i'm in a t-shirt and shorts and we just stood there and watched them and then sure enough there's this yale student uh he ended up i think being a medical student but he's standing there and they come up and <laughs> grab it out of his hand and uh just take off and the yale student ended up being I, like i don't know if he was a marathon runner or <laughs> so yeah, because and and my partner's like over around the corner and i'm like you know god oh my god they're going and so the kids and this is a younger kid i'm in my then late 30s or whatever and <laughs> the kid's just taken off and he's running probably i don't know half mile it seemed and the yell students like just literally just right on i'm running all the time. <laughs> and, and so i end up chasing the yale student because i can't see the kid because we're running around buildings. So I chase a Yale student and the Yale student stops the kid. And, and, uh, I go running up to the Yale student who's like, give me my phone back. And I'm like, Oh, excuse me. And I like grab the kid and I'm like, give me his phone back. You know? <laughs> so, uh, it's and always way, nice when, when, yeah, it's like community, you know, yeah. uh, everybody's working together. Right. <laughs> so, and then you thank the Yale student for catching the guy for you. Right. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Poor choice with that you one. Know, I mean, yeah, you know, you don't want to end up, you know, losing them. Then you're right. like, oh, come on. So, yeah, the yellow student was perfect. That's funny. So, yeah, it reminds me of yeah. we had a uh, an officer at Tempe that, and this was quite a long time ago, but he was a um, a big college runner, distance runner, and was nationally ranked, everything. And I remember we had a, a guy on a bicycle one time commit a crime, and the guy's taken off on his bike. Um, down, you know, a little side street. And this officer's running alongside the guy saying, you might as well just pull over because I'm not going to get tired anytime soon. I'm a distance runner. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, was, yeah. and I, I come up in my patrol car behind him <laughs> and I'm watching this. And I'm just, I'm like, this is crazy. Well, you just like reach over and push him over. <laughs> He's on a bike. Yeah. yeah. It was funny. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So you, you definitely stay busy at Yale. Um, and what shift are you working? You're working the night shift, aren't you? I work C squad, man. So, uh, 10 30 P 10 30 PM to six 30 in the morning. So, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough shift for sleeping. It, it is, you know, I, uh, yeah, I work around it. I kind of, I honestly, I like it, you know, um, and it's not like bad stuff happens all the time, but it, it's almost like in, in, in chance of making this a terrible analogy, but, um, <laughs> like when I, when I, when I was in Iraq, I was in a really bad area. My second tour, I was in Atomia shooting all the time, really bad. And then, um, 
you know, I ended up getting wounded. And so I was basically like exposed to a lot of, a lot over there. Right. And then the past like few months, I ended up moving to another area, which was a lot more docile, like for lack of a better term. And so you, I would go with uh, soldiers, you know, on, on raids, your clearance ops. And the whole time I'm like, eventually I'm just like, somebody just start like shooting at me or something, you know, just uh, because then it's like, you know, I don't know. It gets, the excitement comes back and get you get it over with. Maybe it's part of like, I have PTSD and traumatic brain injury. Maybe it's related to that where I just, I'm chasing that one moment where you're like, Oh my God, you know, well, it's an adrenaline rush um, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not like it's, you know, for lucky for Yale and, and the students in the community, it's not like it's happening all the time. Um, but yeah, like on C squad, a lot of times, you know, that, that one moment where something can really happen, right. you that, know, that's, and, uh, that's when it's going to happen. There's a good chance. It's happen. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times. So again, it hasn't happened all the time, but, uh, there's been a couple of good ones. So, you know, that, that we've dealt with. And then of course, when it goes, okay, you're like, oh, that was great. You know? So <laughs> yeah, and that was fun. Everybody high fives. Right. Yeah. Um, so you said yeah. you you said you were wounded over there. Um, how were you wounded? What happened? Um, I got so uh, a lot, I mean, along with a lot of people that were over there, and yeah. I got I got blown a lot, a lot. You know, hit a lot of IDs, RPGs, things yeah. like that. Um, but I, the, the main one on like actually on record, I guess, was the I, I took a grenade blast during a firefight um, that uh, it picked up mostly debris and hit my face and eye protection and helmet but i got some shrapnel that went in my mouth um and uh yeah so that's so that's basically what happened i, I didn't and i got knocked i think i think i got like knocked unconscious like briefly because somebody yeah. kind of grabbed me and pulled me around um but uh yeah so that, that was and, and it's so i had this piece of shrapnel in my and that was actually right before i went on my vacation too <laughs> oh, so of course. it was all black and blue yeah yeah and i called my wife and i was like my face is fine, you know, cause I know I'm so hot, like it's, it's nothing. And then, so <laughs> that was a joke. Um, but then <laughs> I, uh, yeah, there, there was silence to that. And I was like, Oh God. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I, went, I was like, I, I'm not that, I'm not the guy, but so we went to, uh, I got an x-ray when I was in the States and then I forgot about it. Cause when I went back to Iraq, like it, I was there for a year and I had this piece of shrapnel that was just kind of like sitting and getting calcified, like up against my uh, salivary glands. And then uh. when I rotated out, I went to, I went to a dentist office, a military dentist, army, army dentist. And they're like, yeah, your face is swollen on this side. And I was like, Oh really? And they're like, yeah, like all of your salivary <laughs> glands. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, did you have any, any trauma? And I'm like, I, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh and my then, god! Then I'm like, oh, then, yeah, I totally forgot. And then the com this commander comes in. He's like, yeah, what's going on here? And I was like, oh, I have a piece of shrapnel in my mouth. They're like, oh, like you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. So they cut. They had to cut it out through my mouth because it was like built up. But <laughs> yeah. So you you didn't remember the shrapnel? I know I, what the. Heck? I'm guessing that's the part of the traumatic brain injury, right? May, may, yeah, probably. Or I just, I don't know, blocked it out. I, I don't know. I was, yeah. So, 
it was uh and i didn't have like a major scar i was lucky because it, it went in like almost like a, a bullet wood or whatever um, right. without the mask of course but um so i had a you know i had like a nail hole basically i have like a uh a dimple yeah well, that's on one not, side that, that's so not, i was kind of lucky yeah. that that's all yeah that's not too bad it's like so like you just assume it's so it becomes your everyday almost like when I would come home from work and they'd be like, Hey, how was your, when my husband would be like, how was your night? He'd be like, Oh, it was fine. Nothing really, you know, made, Oh, well we did have that one guy that chopped his girlfriend's fingers off with a machete. I guess that was something. And then we had the, yeah. Oh, we had the, the drive-by shooting too. I forgot, <laughs> but you just, you're like, yeah. that was fine. And yeah. then you're like, Oh wait, no, that was last night. I think. Yeah. So, and you just, yeah, I took shrapnel uh, in the uh, mouth. No oh, yeah. big deal. Oh, yeah, I guess I did yeah, have some shrapnel. Yeah, there was that, that one time I took it right in the face. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. Crazy times. So um, how how much longer you plan on uh, staying as an officer? What's, what's your... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I always... I'm, I'm always thinking about what I want to do. I mean, right. it's, I'm in the promotional process right now. So, you know, that, that depends too for Lieutenant. Um, uh, you know, I technically, I could do another six years. I think roughly I'm really bad with numbers, but, um, to, to go to the pension. Um, but yeah, it, it all depends really on what's happening at the time and how it works as a family. And right. And, and how, you know, how old are your kids right now? Um, so I have a uh, son who's 11, uh, Finley, and then my daughter, Arwen is, is nine. Okay. So, so you probably want to do a few more yeah. years to at least get them out of high school anyways, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. And, and yeah, like once, you know, my son is driving, maybe it's good to, you know, be a cop still. And then, you know, if my daughter wants to, you know, start dating, Whenever that happens, that's always good time to be a cop. Yeah, but I, that's yeah, not until like, she's at least thirty, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, my dad's a cop, you know. Like, then mm-hmm. maybe the show, like, people stay away from her. I don't know. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, but I, I think about that because I still, you know, we have this club, Toad's Place, that has, you know, da- uh, you know, dubstep night and things like that, and I'm like, oh my god, like, and I, you know, and and they have they they allow like underage you know and you don't get the band so you can't drink obviously but right. i'm just like please you know don't i don't want to deal with this you yeah. know so uh, when my when my daughter's that age but then again i guess i have to grow up too or grow into it maybe <laughs> i don't know yeah so. you definitely have to grow into it because i remember when my daughter was going through that time mm. period and yeah i know she would be like yeah my dad's a cop and then once they met me, they're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's fine. He's not a big deal. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> get worked up over much. <laughs> yeah. All the kids at all all the girls are afraid of all the girls' friends are afraid of Jake. And it's like he's probably not the one you should really be concerned about. Right. He's pretty level headed. Yeah, he's level headed. He's he he he's there yeah. to, to hold hold me back and make sure I don't oh, oh man. And that's the funny thing too. It's almost like, I mean, girls, it, like, it's like they're tougher anyways. So it's almost like my, like my, my daughter is usually more, more on it, like, and takes care of everything herself. 
yeah. a lot better than mm-hmm. my and my son was recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in november oh man and yeah, uh he's kind of like me he's, just, he's yeah it's, it's not cool but he's a space cadet about it there's a lot of things you have to pay attention to but my daughter's like on it and she'll help <laughs> on the bus you know and she's like you know she's like take tablets that she carries for him you know oh my god like that's that. so wow. that's another uh-huh. thing like it, might be, it very well might be that you know if they're both in high school together or whatever it'll be like you know you stay away from my brother kind of yep. thing so i don't know <laughs> what a good sister so, yeah <laughs> so i'm guessing that she probably gets that from you as a caretaker uh, yeah, I, I would, I, I think so. And my, plus my wife too, she's a behaviorist. Okay. Um, she's a board certified behavior analyst. So she, you know, she works with, um, you know, uh, a lot of special needs kids. Right. So she takes, she's, she's on the big caring side and taking care of people's side. Um, so it just runs probably in the family. like part mm-hmm. of a project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Continual work in progress. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's funny. So once you do retire, what do you think you're going to do? I mean, what would, what, um, what's next after police work for you? Yeah. If, you know, like I always go back and forth. If, if depending on how everything's going, if I, would I want to roll into being a junior officer in C squad in my fifties? No. But if I still want to be a police officer where if there was, you know, as a lieutenant or better, a lot of times, not better, sorry, a lieutenant or higher, a lot of times there's, um, <laughs> and this is, yeah, yeah, there's a chance when you, you know, potentially uh, could move over to another department right. and be an assistant chief or what have you. Um, so I guess depending on how I'm feeling or what I want to do or the environment could be that. Um, or I also, I mean, before the, before, I went to school to be an English teacher. So that's what I've always wanted to do. Um, so, and at the University of Rhode Island, I was studying, you know, English comparative literature and that's what I want to do. And then nine 11 happened. So right. I ended up going into the army instead. Um, but I wouldn't mind being, even that would be an option. Just being a, right. my retirement gig, being a high school English teacher, which maybe be a lot too. Maybe it's harder than it. <laughs> yeah. Know, that's, but, yeah. Um, that's so, what I was going to say. That might yeah. be a little more difficult than yeah. being an officer on patrol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hats off to our teachers. Um, that's for yeah, sure. But I don't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. So, so yeah, my sister-in-law is actually a cop. I mean, sorry, my sister-in-law is actually a biology teacher in high school yeah. in, in my community actually. So oh, and she's like, yeah, you know, it's not, She's like, she loves it, but it's not, it's not easy. Right. I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, both my so, sisters were teachers too. So I, hats off to them, man. That's, that's a tough job. I don't, I'd, I'd rather donate a kidney <laughs> than be a freaking, yeah, yeah. than be a teacher. I just, I'll give you any organ. I don't care. I don't want to, oof. I can't imagine, especially now. I'm glad I'm done with high school. I can't, I could even junior high. I couldn't imagine it now with social media. Oh, I know. Yeah. I just think it was, it was easy when I grew up. I didn't have cell phones. I didn't have all that social media pressure. Behavior was not recorded. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty tough for kids these days. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Chris, um, thanks for being on today. Um, It's amazing what you you. did uh, donating a kidney. I mean, that's just, 
that's out of the box thinking oh, for yeah. me. You know, I'm it's you don't it's just something that I don't think about. I know a, a friend of mine um quite a few years ago, her mother had to have a double lung transplant. And um, you know, I mean, oh. that was that was crazy, you know, to see her go through that process and have right. to do that. Um but that's my only dealing, you know, I've never had a family member that needed, you know, a transplant organ mm-hmm. of some type, you know, or given up an organ. So um, I, I commend you on that selflessness act. You know, I mean, that was that was a, shows the kind of heart that you have. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have a big heart to do the cop job anyways, because you want to give you want to help your community. You want to help your fellow man. Um but you definitely prove that your heart goes beyond that. You know, that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For, for sure. And uh, good luck on your promotional lieutenant to lieutenant. Um, hope that goes through for you real good. When do you find out how that's going? It's kind of rolling. So it, it depends on, uh, you know, staffing and okay. So are you on moving people around? So are you on a list? Like, are you on a list? Yeah, for... and we, yeah, and, and we just got an uh, our our assistant chief just just moved up, um, and uh, and he's now the chief of the department. So it, you know, this once there's movement around, there's always some changes that right. happen. Obviously, so yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Well, good but luck with that. I'm yeah. hopeful. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you donated a kidney after all. That should count for something. <laughs> you should get something out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I took a photo of it and, like, put it on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of the belly button scar. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh. oh. Well, hopefully well, you get another stripe for it. Good grief. Yeah. Well, yeah. get that bar. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. All right, Chris. Thank well, you very much. Again, thanks a lot. Um, be safe out there. Um, have fun. I, I mean, that just that comes with the job too. You know, I mean, that's part of why we stay on night shift too. Um, that's where the action mm-hmm. is. Um, but definitely stay safe. Let's keep in touch. Um, yeah. And if there's anything that us at Under the Shield can do for you, um, don't hesitate to um, reach out to us. Absolutely. And thanks for what you guys do. I appreciate it. And uh, I was looking at your website and some of your podcasts and it's, it's a good thing. And, and I appreciate it. And I know a lot of people do. Um, yeah. You know, we, we got some big contracts here lately and we're going to definitely become busier, but um, you know, having people like you on our podcast to show that there's a different side of police officers is what we also need to show the community, you know, when they just see us on their yeah. worst day and you're coming in with a uniform, you know, that doesn't say that's who we are. You know, we, we have to take care of business. We have to be, make everything safe for everybody, but we also have a heart and we're affected by the same type of things that everybody else is affected by. I agree. Yeah, thank you. But again, thanks, Chris. Um, I hope that you enjoy that nice weather that you're having back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll just keep sweating out here in Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I want to just um, let everyone know um, out there listening to us that if you need Under the Shield for anything, we have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365 days a year crisis line. 
Uh, you can reach us at 855-889-2348. Uh, and don't hesitate to call us anytime. Um, we're here for you. Um, we have a um, um, plenty of stress coaches out there that can um, connect with you um, and help get you the resources that you need. Um, we're always there uh, for you guys. Uh, since Susan is not here, I, I will give her cell phone number out because she gives it out all the time anyways. But if you want to reach Susan directly, uh, you can reach her at 334-324-3570. And if you want to talk to me, um, my cell phone's always available to you too. You can reach me at 480-861-6574. Again, please reach out if you're struggling. We can help. Uh, if, if there's somebody specific that you want to um, talk to, we can make that happen too. Um, so thanks a lot and come back and join us next week.